So Rebbe is, the, is a Yiddish word that mean, means teacher. So children in school would call their teachers, or even adults in school would call their teachers, would always refer to their teacher as Rebbe. That's the way you call your teacher. You call your teacher in Yiddish, you say Rebbe. But the term Rebbe that we are going to talk about today is the more widely used term today where it refers to a Hasidic Rebbe or a Hasidic leader. The Hasidic movement was a movement that was founded in Ukraine in the early 18th century, almost 300 years ago, by Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shemtov, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shemtov. And he taught people to see God's role in every part of our lives and every part of the world, to see how our world, our universe, is just a part of God and just exists within him. And God, God's force is in each and every creation constantly. And each person was sent here to earth on a godly mission with our goal to move a, live a more God-centered life. It was a movement that taught, taught us the, to have joy over the, over the opportunity to be God's agents here on earth, to make an impact in this world, to value every other person who's been chosen by God also, to make an impact in this world as God's agent. Every person around us is an agent of God and to value each and every mitzvah, every commandment that God gives us, which allows us to follow God's will, connect to him and ultimately change our world. So that is in very short what the Hasidic movement was about. In the past, we did a class where we spoke about Hasidism and what Hasidism is, a, is about. So one of the innovations of Hasidism and the founder of Hasidism, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, was the Rebbe. The Rebbe, the teacher or the Hasidic leader who serves as a spiritual guide for his Hasidim, or his followers. Now we're all familiar with the term rabbi. We've all heard the word rabbi. Rabbi is really just an English translation of the Hebrew word rav. A rav is a spiritual communal leader. Unfortunately today, the word rabbi is a little bit overused and lost a lot of its meaning. But historically, a rabbi, uh, now a rabbi's primary role was to lead a particular community as their essentially spiritual leader. Their primary role is to both um, take care of the spiritual needs of the community, they're a communal leader, um, and their um, role is really a halachic role, a legal role, to resolve the halachic or the Jewish legal questions that people in the community face. So the primary work of the rabbi is to ensure that um, when people have questions about what the halacha is, what the law is in various scenarios, they resolve the law. Um, what the law, they tell, they share what the law should be, and a rabbi is somebody, a rav, is someone who has training in halacha, in Jewish law, to be able to answer the laws. And, but together with that, the rabbi, historically there were rabbis in towns, they took care of the um, kind of the spiritual needs of the town, make sure that you know, there were proper schooling, proper shuls, proper mikvahs, everything that the town might need. Um, 
and uh, other town institutions. They were essentially the uh, religious authority of the town. Um, today, rabbis tend to be more associated with particular congregations or synagogues. And, uh, but again, um, as a um, spiritual leader or somebody who has responsibility for the spiritual needs, take care, uh, care of the spiritual needs of that particular community. A Hasidic Rebbe is not a leader of a particular community or a town or a membership. A Rebbe is not a rabbi, although many Rebbes were also rabbis. But the two don't necessarily need to go together. A Rebbe is rather a leader of those who voluntarily choose to submit themselves to the Rebbe's leadership by studying his teachings, by following his instructions, and by seeking his advice. So the Rebbe's role is not to decide legal questions, halachic questions, not to be responsible for a particular community, but his role is to inspire his followers in their Judaism, in their relationship with God, to guide them, to teach them, to help them with spiritual challenges. A Rebbe, who is always a saintly, holy individual, could also be asked for blessings, for advice in both spiritual and material needs. So why do we need a Rebbe? Can we follow Judaism or even Hasidism without having a particular spiritual guide? So in theory, a Jew is required to follow the commandments. Um, God gave us commandments and every Jew can follow the commandments without having a spiritual guide. You need someone to answer questions, maybe halachic questions that you have. You need a rabbi if you run into questions. If you don't have questions, you don't need the rabbi either. Um, somebody who's following the laws would have questions. Questions, issues will come up. Um, but you, in theory, you could follow the commandments without a leader. You could even follow the Hasidic teachings and study Hasidic teachings as taught by the various Hasidic masters over the years without a Rebbe. But you would be missing a very, very crucial component. In Judaism, we believe that every person has a direct relationship with God. Everyone is required to perform commandments directly, has a direct requirement to perform commandments. We don't need a leader to perform our personal commandments. To pray, you don't need a leader. We have a cantor, somebody who leads the services, but anyone can do that. Anyone can lead the services. We don't need a leader in order to lead services. We don't need a leader to wrap tefillin, to light Shabbat candles, to keep kosher, to keep Shabbat, to keep all the basics of Jewish law. You don't need a, um, a Rebbe for that. You don't need a leader necessarily for that. We can and must all talk to God, pray to God without any intermediaries. We all have the ability to communicate directly with God. Yet, God's communication to us generally has not been direct to each and every individual. Now, the first time God communicated with us, God did communicate with us directly. Moses brought the people to Mount Sinai, and the Torah was given to our people um, 
by, and the, God spoke the Ten Commandments and all the people that stood there, millions of people, each got to hear and experience the revelation of God. And that is something that is unique in Judaism. We believe that we had a, a national revelation. The entire Jewish people got to speak to God directly. However, that was only the first Ten Commandments. He didn't, God didn't get much further than ten. It was too much for us. Moses then went up to Mount Sinai, and Moses got the rest of the commandments for us. So the commandments of the Torah were not communicated, most of them, almost all of them, were not communicated to us by God directly, but were rather communicated by God to us through a leader, through Moshe Rabbeinu, through Moses. The same was also after Moses' death. After Moses' death, it wasn't now, you're on your own, do what you like, just follow the commandments as you wish. But Israel continued to have a leader. Following Moses' death, Joshua became the leader. And these leaders were prophets to whom God communicated with directly. God spoke to them. And um, we had in the early days of Judaism prophets. But throughout Jewish history, we have had leaders whom had deeper vision, who had divine inspiration, whom God was able to communicate to more directly and served as guides and role models for us, for regular people, for the rest of, the Jew of, the, of, of our Jewish people. Now, why is it? Why does God communicate to us through a leader? Why could God not communicate to each and every person directly? Why can I not be a, a Jew following God's instructions or a person following God's instructions without the need for a particular Jewish leader that I need to follow, without the need to follow instructions of Jewish leaders? Why is it? Why do we need Moses to take us out of Egypt? Couldn't God take us out of Egypt directly? Why do we need Mo, uh, Joshua to lead us into the promised land? Couldn't God lead us directly into the promised land? Why did we need Jewish leaders throughout the generations? Couldn't God do it directly? Couldn't we each kind of connect to God on our own without having any leaders? So the answer is that while every single person we believe has a direct relationship with God, and that is because God is found everywhere and in every single person. Each one of us is an agent of God. And therefore, each one of us have that direct relationship with God. Each one of us can speak to God directly. God listens to each and every one of us. Um, and each one of us has a mission that God has sent us on. And God looks out for each and every single one of us. However, in Judaism, our connection with God is not only a connection as an individual. It is not only that I am connected with God. We believe that we are connected to God as a nation. We are connected to God together as a group. While every single one of us have our own unique role and our, our own agent and have our own mission and our own purpose, that role, that mission, that purpose that God gives us is part of a larger role, is part of a bigger mission, part of a bigger purpose. So while each one of us have a godly soul, a piece of God inside of us that serves essentially as our mission, our purpose, we were sent down as God's agents, as a piece of God inside of us, yet that piece of God is part of a 
bigger piece of God. We are all part of a big soul, what we call Knesset Yisrael, the gathering of Israel, the united Israel. We are all really part of a single soul. We are all a single individual, our entire people together. And so we are all really one. We're not just individuals. We don't just relate to God as individuals. We relate to God as a people, as a nation. Now, each one of us have a distinct role. And Kabbalists saw this role, this almost like a body. Every single limb on your body, every single part of your body has a purpose. Everything is there to do something with. If you're missing one finger, you got a problem. You won't have all your abilities. You're missing one limb, one ligament, one tendon. You're missing something. One muscle's not working. You got a big problem. You feel a lot of pain. You're not able to move. You're not able to function. So every single part has its own role. However, in order for a body to function effectively, you need to have a brain. The brain essentially holds the entire body together, keeps it running, tells each part what it's supposed to be doing. It serves as the guide for the entire body. Otherwise, what would happen is if we did not have a brain holding our body together, then each part of our body would do whatever it wanted. It would do its own thing. You wouldn't get yourself to move and to talk and to get stuff done if your hands didn't listen to your brain, if your legs didn't listen to your brain, if your lips and your tongue didn't listen to your brain. So you need a central force, something that conducts and controls and manages everything else. So in the same way, our people are considered, we are a part of God, an extension of God. We have a godly soul. We are here on a mission. Every individual has a unique mission and every individual is unique. And therefore, God needs each and every one of us. However, we are part of a bigger body. We are part of a bigger whole. We are one part of this big whole. Which explains, by the way, why you should never try to hurt another person. Because you're really hurting yourself. Right? The example given is if one hand hurts the other hand, you don't hurt it back. You're just hurting yourself, right? Because we're all really one and the same. So because we're all one, because we're all part of one group, one entity, we're all a single being. So we need a brain or we need leaders to help guide us, to help lead our people, to help give the message from God as to what messages from God as to what we should be doing. And therefore God couldn't just take all Millions of Jews out of 600,000 men over the age of 20, but millions of people out of Egypt and said, appear to all of them and say, go, because then everyone would be running in different directions. You need one leader to take them out and lead them out. In the same way, um, going into the promised land after Moses' death, God couldn't just say, go. You need a leader, someone to organize, someone to say, you do this, you do that. This is what you're supposed to be doing. So God, therefore, and this continued throughout Jewish history, God communicated to us through leaders, through Jewish leaders. Now, uh, and so therefore, while a person can follow God's commandments without the need for a leader, in theory, 
But you're missing a big part of it. You're missing the ability to find your particular mission, to find your particular guidance, to find your particular inspiration that is unique to you for your role in the larger body of Israel, in the larger Knesset Israel, the largest soul of Israel, to find that role, you need a leader to help guide everyone. So the leader essentially is the head or mind of our people who connects more directly to Hashem and is therefore able to guide us to follow our mission. Now throughout history, we had various Jewish leaders um, in various roles, depending on different periods. We had prophets at one point. We had sages um, at another point. We had uh, various leaders in various roles um, that led our people in different ways. Mm, however, with the, um, with the development of the Hasidic movement by Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov encouraged that in order for us to truly connect to God, to truly appreciate God's role in our lives, in every part of us, to truly really appreciate God's role in every individual and to truly appreciate our mission and purpose, we need to find a leader, a spiritual leader that can serve as that guide, as that mentor to help us, to help um, guide us, to help lead us, to help connect us to God so that we can follow our particular mission and role in life. Any questions? So understandably, a Rebbe is not a regular individual to serve as a guide, someone to connect us to God. A Rebbe, or any Jewish spiritual leader, must be someone who is a step above regular people. The, um, in the book of Samuel, it describes King Saul, the first Jewish king, he was a head and shoulder taller than everybody else. And that can be understood literally. He was just a very tall fellow. But our sages understood it to mean metaphorically, where he was a different type of person, a different type of individual, not a regular person like, like everybody else. A rabbi then is somebody who is firstly a great Torah scholar. Because in order to know what God wants from us, in order to understand um, and be able to connect to God in a deeper way, in order to be able to lead the people, central to any Jew, uh, Judaism would be knowledge of Torah, which is the guide that we have, the Torah is the guide that God gave us. So a Rebbe would first and foremost have to be a great, great Torah scholar, knowledgeable in God's teachings. A Hasidic Rebbe would not only know the Torah in general, be very familiar with the various teachings of the Torah and um, be a great scholar, but would also know the teachings of Chassidus, the Hasidic teachings coming from the Baal Shem Tov. A Rebbe would also be somebody who in their own personal life would be meticulous in performing the commandments, what we call a Hasid or a pious individual who is very careful in performing the, the commandments. Somebody, of course, of outstanding character. Um, character development is a very, very important part of um, Judaism and having good character is something that um, we are required to do. Um, certain, certain common character is um, our, our, our mitzvahs, certain good character, but even those that are not a direct command 
um, of the 613 commandments was supposed to have good character. So clearly a Jewish, to be a Rebbe, you'd have to be someone of outstanding character. But it would also have to be somebody who dedicated their life, not to material pursuits, not somebody who is chasing the dollar or hobbies or other material things or personal satisfaction or other values, but somebody who is, uh, who is drawn to spirituality, whose life is spiritually centered, somebody whose life is all about coming closer to God. It would be somebody who is not self-centered, as most of us tend to be, but rather somebody who is God-centered, lead, leads a God-centered life. And a Rebbe then is such a person who is really a step above everybody else, is clearly different from regular people in that they're a great scholar, very knowledgeable, meticulous in performing the commandments, outstanding character, but also their life is not dedicated to material pursuits, but to spirituality. And unless somebody has those basic qualities is visible on them, unless those kind of, all those qualities are, are visible on them, someone who's not self-centered, but leading a God-centered life, then they're not able to be a Jewish leader. And this would be a Jewish leader in any sense, um, let alone a, um, a prophet of old, let alone a Rebbe, as we're Hasidic Rebbe today. A Rebbe is somebody who develops, we believe, develops a unique relationship with God, giving them a sense of divine inspiration and a unique ability to give spiritual guidance to their followers or those that seek their advice and their guidance. And they dedicate their lives then to teach, to now, not everybody who is pious and wise and outstanding and God-centered is necessarily a leader. The Rebbe is somebody who has those qualities and then dedicates their life to teach to inspire others, to lead their followers, essentially has dedicated their life to leading, the, uh, to leading those that seek their advice and seek their help. Any questions? Mayor. Yeah, does, is there other Hasidic groups that uh, also derive from the Austrian Yes, people? yes, I'll talk about that in a moment. Yes, there are many Hasidic Rebbes. Yes, Mayor. So, who... As Barry just pointed out, there can be many people. I will talk about that in a moment um, of who we have today and what we have today. Um, to be clear, and I should point this out, it's, it's, should, it's kind of obvious that um, any time um, you have you know, people that are legitimately, you know, have legitimate roles of leadership and you know, inspiring people, you're always going to have sharplins or wannabes, right? People that don't, should not be in that role for, because they're not really don't really have those qualities. They're not really God-centered. They're not really a spiritual <coughs> individual. And yet they lay claim or attempt to either put on a show or pretend to. And uh, that's been a problem you know, throughout Jewish history um, of you know, people that lay claim. And we um, who choose a Rebbe or who follow a Rebbe must be careful, right? Not to, um, to see through those that um, pretend to be you know, have, you know, be spiritual individuals, pretend to be selfless, pretend to be outstanding character, when a closer look at their lives, they're clearly not. So there are, there, that, that does happen, but there are, of course, many great, great <coughs> Rebbes as well. You'll have that in any religion, yes. Yes? Um, so basically, a, a rabbi may be able to interpret the law, you know, because sometimes it's not like 
A rebbe can, many rebbes are rabbis as well. In other words, they have expertise in the law as well. Um, even if they do, they, many practice as rabbis, many don't. That's not, it's not the same thing. They could do both roles, but they're not necessarily, um, they're not necessarily a rabbi as well. So the Rebbe, as a leader of Israel, is essentially the head of the people in his relationship with them and needs to live their life as a leader. A Rebbe is someone who doesn't focus their life on themselves, on their own needs and their own wants, but rather their life is entirely dedicated to public service. A person who doesn't think of themselves their family, or even their, uh, uh, or um, doesn't think of themselves or what they need, but is totally dedicated to the people. And not just dedicated to their own followers. A Rebbe who is a true leader is dedicated not only to their own followers, but to all people. They feel a responsibility for all people. Their life is dedicated to public service. They're the head of the people. The Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, um, perhaps the first rabbi, it is said that he would never go to sleep with money in his home. People would come to him and ask him for advice, and they would give him money for charity. And um, the money that he would get, he would collect, and he would distribute. He never wanted to have the money. He didn't want anything for himself. He just wanted to give it out, to give it to others. So a rabbi is somebody... Um, the, a Rebbe is somebody who doesn't have any self-needs or self-concern, isn't focused on themselves, but solely focused on their followers, on their people. The Rebbe, as we'll talk about him in a moment, the um, Lubavitcher Rebbe, the leader of Chabad, himself insisted that everything that he had was not his own but was communal property, belonged to his followers. He said, and it was, it once, this issue once came up in court, um, when family disputed this, family that he had, that um, everything, he didn't own anything, he had no personal assets. Everything he owned belongs to his followers. And therefore the Rebbe refused to take vacation or time off. His life was dedicated to his followers. What right did he have to take vacation? He said, if I would go on vacation and someone has a question and wouldn't know how to reach me, how can I excuse that? Right? He, didn't, he felt he didn't have the right to take vacation. He didn't take, he didn't, he couldn't take, he didn't take a day off. He was afraid that a Rebbe is somebody who doesn't have a life. Doesn't have a life, exactly. Their life is dedicated towards their followers. The story is told different life, right. They don't have what we would call a life, not a personal self-centered life, but a God-centered life, and their life is dedicated towards their followers. The story is told that in uh, early 1950, when the Rebbe first became leader, a fellow came to the um, Rebbe. His child was sick, and he had been advised to go to the Rebbe. The Rebbe would give him a blessing for his child to get better. And he came to the Rebbe, he was a wealthy man, and he offered the Rebbe a large sum of money, and he asked for a blessing for his child to get better. The Rebbe refused to take the money and told him, if you would like your child to get better, you should start to keep Shabbos. He offered a larger sum of money. 
the Rebbe said, no, you should keep Shabbos. He said, I don't understand. Why can't you just give me a blessing? He said, because your blessing for your child to get better, better, you need to start keeping Shabbos. And the Rebbe then went and called, um, or told his secretary to call the, uh, the Chabad organization around the city and tell them, if this fellow comes in and offers money, don't take it from him, because he needs to first keep Shabbos. So the Rebbe's concern was not for himself, not for his followers, was really for the entire Jewish people, um, for the, uh, really for the uh, entire uh, humanity. Um, the mayor of New York, Ed Koch, um, said he once came to the Rebbe and um, he, he would come to the Rebbe maybe, for maybe to get advice, personal advice. Um, and uh, he, he, was, he, he was Jewish, I believe. Um, and he, uh, the Rebbe asked him, can you do me a favor? Um, can, okay, I, have a, I have a request from you. Um, the um, Chinese community in Chinatown doesn't have proper representation because they haven't yet, a lot of them are new to the country and they haven't yet learned to kind of stick up for themselves politically. Maybe times have changed since then, the Asian community. So um, can you make sure to look out for them and there's a number of things that the community needs and nobody's looking out for them. They're not, they don't know how to kind of push around their political weight. And uh, he was amazed that they weren't even Jewish. This was, you know, the Rebbe was not Asian and he was advocating for the Asian community because he felt that nobody else was advocating for them. So a Rebbe is somebody who doesn't think of themselves, doesn't even think of their own maybe followers, but thinks of everyone as somewhat a truly selfless individual. Okay, is that the reason why we don't have another one? I'll get to that, yes. So there, um, once they reach that stage, their, their ego is, has left. And so they don't, they're grateful for where they are. I guess they know where they are. They know who they are and where they are in the space of God. But it's not, um, they're not being overshadowed by um, their ego or no, and if they are being overshadowed by their ego, then that's a big problem, right? Then they go run into, then that becomes a Shartland's people are self-centered. It's a person who has truly dedicated their lives to be God-centered, right? Are not self-centered at all. Um, but remember, somebody who's truly God-centered um, doesn't mind using their, doesn't have a problem with using their authority or their power or their influence to make a difference as well, right? Because if they can, they should absolutely make a difference, although it's not about themselves, right? It's not about, uh, it's not about themselves. It's about, um, it, it's about their, their role and their goal and what they're, trying to, what they're trying to accomplish, what they're trying to achieve. So the Baal Shem Tov was the first Hasidic Rebbe. He founded the Hasidic movement. Um, he was this leader. He taught Chassidus to his followers. Um, he started the movement in um, again in the early um, in the early 1700s. 1734 is usually used as the year that he founded the movement in Western Ukraine. Uh, the movement very quickly spread, even within his own lifetime. He had followers scattered all across um, what was then the Russian Empire or Eastern Europe. Um, and it grew very quickly. Um, people, followers that would come to him to hear his Hasidic teachings, um, get inspiration, get advice. Um, he died in 1760. And um, with his death, 
um, his student, the Magid of Mizrich, Rabdov Ber of Mizrich, also in Western Ukraine, became the leader of the Hasidim. Um, many, many great scholars and um, aspiring people aspiring to grow in their Judaism gathered around him. And he had dozens of disciples. And so after his death in 1772, his disciples came really from all over Europe. Um, and his disciples after his death spread, went back to their regions, back across Europe. And each of them became their own rebbes or their own Hasidic leader, started teaching students, started uh, uh, advising people, guiding people. And so there were rebbes, his students became rebbes in Ukraine, in Poland, in Hungary, Romania, in Belarus, Lithuania, all over um, what was Eastern Europe, even as far as Germany. Um, his students really spread out um, all over Eastern and Central Europe um, and became their own rebbes and their own leaders. Many of these rebbes then had their own students who then became leaders. And so over the years, there have various different Hasidic groups have risen. Um, often different Hasidic leaders had particular um, ideas or um, focuses, um, points of focus. And so di different kind of sub-Hasidic movements developed with a particular focus on one thing or another. Today, there are dozens of different Hasidic groups, um, almost all of them with their own Hasidic Rebbe, with their own leader who advises them, guides the, their followers and inspires them. One of the students of Rebdov Ber of Mizrich, uh, the student of the Baal Shem Tov, was Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Li Adi, we did a class about him a little while ago. Um, he was originally from um, Belarus, um, from, um, which was kind of nor the northern part of the Pale of Settlement. And uh, he went back to his hometown um, in Belarus. And uh, he began to spread, to he began to teach. And he many, he, many disciples gathered around him, many followers. And he began to teach Hasidus, inspire people, teach people, um, advise people, guide people in um, the ways of Hasidus. And uh, after um, his death, his son continued to lead his followers. Now, the, the, the um, Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, often referred to as the Alter Rebbe, the Old Rebbe, um, he had a particular kind of sub or um, focus of his Hasidic movement, and that was known as Chabad. He believed that it is very important not just to um, follow the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, to live a God-centered life, a life recognizing God, how God is found within everything and everyone, and how everyone is really God's agent, but to also understand it, and to really study the deep Kabbalistic and mystical teachings that help explain our relationship with God. And so he spent many years teaching what was called Maimarim, or um, uh, these long teachings, long um, um, essays that he would write or speak, and uh, his students would, would write down, that essentially taught these mystical concepts in a way that regular people can understand them without being a very brilliant mystic, and can understand them and appreciate to really understand our relationship and our role. 
And so his movement became known, uh, his sub-movement within the Hasidic movement became known as Chabad. And so after his death, um, his, his son, Rabbi Dov Baer, um, took over leadership of the movement. He moved the, he, he, he moved, he, uh, Rabbi Shneer Zaman of Liadi died um, during the uh, Napoleon's invasion of Russia, which was kind of a great war that really uprooted many communities. His hometown where he lived was destroyed there then. And so after his death, his son moved the movement to a, the town of Lubavitch, which is in Russia, just um, east of Belarus. And that became, that town became synonymous with the Chabad movement. It became known as Lubavitch. Um, and um, that, and there were, since the Alter Rebbe and his son, there were other leaders that continued to lead the Chabad movement um, for many years. Um, the previous leader, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, um, himself a direct descendant of the Alter Rebbe, um, led the movement um, starting out with, uh, in 1920 um, in the Soviet Union. Um, we did some classes about him. He, um, he led in the Soviet Union. Not only did he teach people and inspire them and guide them, but the Soviets were trying to destroy Judaism and um, Jewish life. And so he led a large, he built a large underground, Jewish underground um, network of underground schools and communities and synagogues and sh ritual slaughterers and um, mohalim, um, ritual circumcisers and uh, all sorts of other things that Jews would need um, and kind of held a um, clandestine Jewish community together within the Soviet Union until he was arrested and expelled in 1927. Um, he eventually moved here to the United States um, and, um, and led his Hasidim followers here in the United States. Um, he passed away in 1950 on the 10th of Shvat, which will be Wednesday. And after his passing, his son-in-law, who was known as the Rebbe, uh, became, took over as the leader of the Chabad movement. And uh, was really, we, we've done classes on the Rebbe himself before. Um, and the Rebbe, the Rebbe himself continued to lead Chabad starting in 1950. Um, he led the people both by first people would go for personal audiences with the Rebbe. Now, the Rebbe was a very, very busy man. Um, and so, but people would be able to personally meet the Rebbe and talk to him, share their concerns, their questions, and he would guide them and speak to them. Um, he would meet people at night, three nights a week, starting at 10 p.m., and he would go all night. Um, somehow he didn't sleep very much. Um, he would, because he worked during the day, so he would meet people at night. So people would get meetings anytime after 10 p.m. You would get a meeting um, with the Rebbe. Um, he would, um, he, uh, he all, in the later years when, um, when it became, there were too many people that needed audiences and there just wasn't enough time. The Rebbe started at first kind of group audiences where people would go as groups and each person would then be able to kind of pass by him one by one. And then um, in his later years, um, the Rebbe started giving out dollars for people to give to charity. The Rebbe throughout his life, throughout his leadership, would regularly give people money to give to charity, give children coins, give people dollars to give to charity uh, whenever, you know, 
he, all the time on a regular basis. But in his later years, every Sunday, um, f f uh, starting about noon, he would, um, he would um, start kind of there would be a line. People would come and they would, he would give them a dollar and people could share whatever questions they had um, or ask for his blessings of whatever particular things. Um, and uh, every um, Sunday, a couple thousand people would come and see him every single week. Um, people from all over the world. Um, now, in addition to that, in addition to giving people personal direct advice, people also would write him letters. The Rebbe would answer dozens and dozens of letters every single day. He had a team of secretaries. Um, he would type them up. He would just dictate them and sign them. But um, he would read dozens or sometimes hundreds of letters on a daily basis and then respond to each of the letters. Uh, he also regularly would teach his followers. He would regularly have these public um, talks where he would publicly speak, um, um, some, sometimes for hours on end, for five, six hours. He would speak publicly. In the later years, many of those talks were um, in the later years. Many of those talks were broadcasted. Um, in the eighties, they were broadcasted on. Um, on what was then just beginning cable television so that anyone around the country could watch them um, and listen to them. But he regularly, regularly taught his followers. And he regularly, ins he also inspired his followers to open, to inspire others, to teach others, to open centers uh, uh, for Jewish life, to reach out to Jews, not to let, and we've spoken about this a couple times, how the Rebbe um, changed um, Judaism in the United States and really around the world by opening centers, inspiring people, um, telling each person that they need to inspire others. So people really, he had, the Rebbe had many, many, many followers, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of followers, um, but also many people who were not necessarily, would not consider themselves followers of the Rebbe, still came to the Rebbe to seek his advice, including many world leaders, many business leaders, political leaders, um, other spiritual leaders, Jewish leaders, um, would come to the Rebbe for his advice, um, for his blessings. Prime ministers, presidents uh, from around the world would come um, and seek his advice, um, seek his blessings, um, seek his guidance. And the Rebbe was really a person who had no life of his own. His life was really just dedicated to teaching, inspiring, and helping others. Um, so the Rebbe um, got had a stroke in 1992, uh, March of 1992. After that, he was no longer able to speak, directly inspire others. And he passed away two years later in 1994, um, which would be um, uh, almost 30 years ago. And um, since then, there was no one in the Chabad movement um, who, was, who could have become a Rebbe. Um, to be a Rebbe, you've got to be a unique individual. Uh, so you can't just kind of make anyone a rep. It doesn't work like that. It's not just like a president or a CEO, right? It has to be somebody whom we described earlier, right? Who was a great, unique Torah scholar um, who has very pious and meticulous in following of the commandments. Of course, for a Hasidic rebbe, they have to also be a great scholar in Hasidism. For a Chabad rebbe, they have to be a great scholar in Chabad. They have to be somebody who um, is... Uh, there have to be somebody who has, uh, who has uh, totally, who has outstanding character and has totally dedicated their life to, or, or to inspiring others, to teaching others, and has no kind of self needs, no needs of their own. 
And so um, there was nobody else. And so we continue to live by the Rebbe's guidance. Um, amazingly, the Rebbe, um, throughout the Rebbe's life, the Rebbe's talks were, by those that were not given on Shabbat when it's forbidden to film, the Rebbe's talks were almost all, um, almost all recorded. So we have thousands and thousands of hours of recording of his talks. We have, um, he has, uh, they're, they're all written down, of course, transcribed. Um, there's also video of you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours of the Rebbe's, of the Rebbe's talks on video. Um, when the Rebbe would meet people one by one um, in the dollars in the later years, um, those were all videoed as well. So yet we have video of that as well. Um, so there's a huge amount of recording of the Rebbe's teachings that can still inspire us today. And, and although we don't, we cannot go directly to the Rebbe anymore after his passing, we can still go to his OL, to his graveside, which is he was buried in Queens in New York, um, and pray. And people come from around the world to the Rebbe's OL, to the Rebbe's graveside, to pray, to seek guidance, to ask for his blessing. Um, and uh, we have an old Jewish custom that even after someone's passing, a great tzaddik, a great sage, uh, we did a class about this some time ago, about going to pray to God at the home, at the um, graveside, or, or go to the graveside of um, saintly individuals, of tzaddikim. So we can, so the Rebbe himself would go very often to his father-in-law's graveside, um, where he's buried next to him today, um, in, and to pray over there and to um, whatever he spent hours there. Um, but we could go to the, to the Rebbe's oil to pray. We can seek guidance. We can ask for his blessing. Um, we can even we can write letters. Um, and the custom is that we write a letter. There's an old Jewish custom that we write a letter, read it at his grave or have someone read it at his grave. Um, and we believe that the Rebbe can still kind of guide us and inspire us even today, um, even years after his passing. We still have that ability for him to inspire us by studying his teachings, um, by uh, we, we can listen to his teachings, um, watch his many videos as an organization called GEM that has um, been dedicated to um, making his teachings widely, widely available. Um, and they have a whole many, many videos on all sorts of sub by subject, uh, by date um, that one can find of the Rebbe's um, inspiration. Um, and so the Rebbe continues to inspire us and to teach us today as well. And so this coming Wednesday will be the... Um, anniversary of when he began his leadership after his father was passing in 1950. Um, but it will be the, the 73rd anniversary. But, um, but the Rebbe continues to lead us and inspire us even today.